This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Correct. Well, and that's part of, you know, it's interesting, part of, uh, you know, this Josh's methodology in whom he's seeking out to have conversations with is around not just anyone, but actually people who themselves could have a cascading effect, a rippling effect of their own influence or decision making. You know, and he sort of recognizes that he and his time can't scale infinitely. Yeah. He can't go spend time and have a conversation, follow the Spodic method with every single person in the world. That's not feasible. But he can go be mindful uh, in both who he speaks with and, and tries his method out with for their decision making or influence power, or with people who can like go learn the method themselves and then go be uh, sort of their own amplifying version of this by going and following some of this methodology to have to take what can often be these like very confrontational conversations. Uh, you know, I grew up in a timber and ranching community where um, people really love and take care. And I would consider them, I would say that they're often like some of the best stewards of the, of the environment around them, but they're sometimes still like decisions that they're making that are not good for the environment in ways that they can't necessarily, it's not immediately perceivable. And I, I, I look forward to having following this sort of method with some of those people in my, in my life that I think we see differently on what we should do with our day and time and energy. But we, I think down deep, believe in the same kind of concept of this level of like stewardship and leaving things better than we found it. And, and what that means, I think down deep, that's a uniform perspective. Beautiful. I'm interested to hear what this whole method is and how, how to find out. <laughs> more, more to come. We're, we're actually, we were, Josh and I were discussing, we, you know, through the creation of the Carbon Almanac Network, this very big, wonderful global network, we were sort of discussing the idea of, okay, maybe we go like, maybe there's some people in this network who want to say, yeah, let me go try Let me try this methodology out a little bit and start to sample it in other cultures and in other locations and through different people to start seeing like how well does it scale as you, as you pass the baton of method from one person to the next, to the next. Yeah. I think it's very interesting because personally I've always been very reluctant to talk to people or try to start a climate conversation with people that are not, sharing the same perspective and and i'm not helping so much i mean i'm i'm choosing the easy path so i also want to learn how to do it and try to talk to people that don't share my worldview because we're talking about worldviews mm -hmm. yeah well it's because it's you don't want to have a confrontational conversation it's not because that doesn't lead to the, your goal is behavior change, right? Your goal is likely perspective and behavior change that will have an impact in the choices they make and the influence they have in the world and the impact on the environment and their footprint. But having a headbutting contest with someone probably just has them dig their heels in and lean into the headbutting in many cases, as opposed to helping them come to a new perspective. So it's about, it's about unifying Right. I think I think our world right now is just in so much pain and so much um, there's so much despair and grief that the more of these kinds of unifying conversations and invitations we can have, the better, uh, less confrontation and more connection. <laughs>
Yeah. I'm seeing, I'm feeling it everywhere and seeing it everywhere and all the work, all the work that I do and the conversations that I have that people are just tired of arguing. (laughs) Tired of the divisiveness of so many topics. You know, it used to be there was like one or two things you didn't talk about. And now there's just so many that are third rails, you know, and, and they, it shouldn't be that way. We, we should be able to have informed, collaborative, you know, mediated kind of conversations that, that bring a conversation together towards a conclusion with, especially with how much information and data is at our fingertips. I mean, it's really just at our fingertips. That wasn't always the case, but it should, that extra information, I think, should help us come to better conclusions, not more divergent conclusions. Do you think do you think people get tired of the how much choice there is at our fingertips and just sort of pick a lane and stay in it? There there's a whole field of science around decision fatigue. Um, this is uh, I was chatting with someone recently about a, a different book um, called Mindless Eating. And in it the um, the the author sort of uses this phrase, these moments of consciousness, make decisions in moments of consciousness so that in all these other moments of not consciousness, you don't have to think about the decision because we only have so many decisions we can make a day. Um, and I, and he, his advocacy in, in this book um, was you know, principally focused in part on like health and food consumption, like make a smart decision. Like when you're at the grocery store, buy the things then in your pantry are going to be good. You know, then you just go and you open up the refrigerator, you open up the pantry and you eat healthy foods because in that one moment at the grocery store, you didn't buy anything that you shouldn't be looking at inside your refrigerator or pantry. Conscious decision-making. I like it. Yeah. And that would relate, that would relate to the environment as well. Right. What what decisions can we make consciously about how we walk through the world that have impact? Yeah. Well, and they can be decisions that you, you know, they can be decisions that you sort of make one time and then you just hold to your decision. Right. So I used to make a New Year's resolution for myself uh, every year. I would make a couple and like a number of years ago, I always used to put sugar in my coffee, you know, as many people do. And I don't know, maybe 12, 13 years ago, I just, one of my resolutions was I will never put sugar in my coffee again. And that was just my thing. And, but every time I make myself a cup of coffee, I still have to go through that decision matrix a little bit. Like the sugar is sitting there. If I'm at any place out there in the world, um, the sugar's sitting there. It's not sitting there in my house. Oh, and this is how we can do it. So if I'm at a, at a coffee shop or at a restaurant or anything, the sugar's there and I have to decide not to put it in. But at my house, and this actually goes back to this concept of like a moment of consciousness, I don't have a sugar bowl anywhere near. Like I've got sugar for some baking things like back in the pantry, but there's no sugar out anywhere near where we make coffee and tea. And so sometimes guests are like, well, where's the sugar? And I was like, I don't have one. I'll bring out the five pound thing and be like, well, here's the baking sugar if you want some, but like there's none anywhere near the, su- the tea and coffee making. And that decision to not have a sugar bowl and not have it ready means I don't have to think about it so much when I make my morning cup of coffee or tea or my evening tea. I don't have to think about it 
it's not there for me. And that's that like decision in one moment. And I, and I, Jen, I think you're so right. There's all these kind of decisions that we can make in like big moments of consciousness decision-making that then we just don't have to think about anymore. Right. Um, if you, we, there was this great um, piece in the carbon almanac, uh, one of the podcasts about gas leaf blowers versus <laughs> electric ones. Do you remember that one? Yes, I do. I love that. Yeah. And, I was part of that conversation and, and it was hilarious. It was pretty funny. And, and I listened to it and, and really learned and thought, and I, I have a gas, you know, I had a gas one and an electric one, both sitting and, you know, available for use. And I sort of used the gas for the bigger heftier stuff and the, the electric for the other. And our house is fully powered by solar. We're, we're a negative impact on the grid annually. And, and so like the electricity is functionally, I've already invested in the panels and it's free, but I still use the gas one sometimes for just <laughs> right? Even though I have to pay for the gasoline um, and put in the oil, you know. But then when I heard that podcast, I was like, wait, let me just decommission, like, let me just stop using this. And so I actually like cleaned up my gas powered one and put it away pretty formally. And now I still am not sure whether, whether the right decision is to like what to do with it, but I just took it out of my garage and put it in my basement, cleaned it, emptied it, put it away. So now I just always grab the electric one and maybe it takes me a little bit more time. I have to do a little bit more raking to help it with its, you know, power. But it's that I made that I, your podcast was the thing that made me go put the gas one away. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> see, Jen. Yeah. And now I don't, I don't see it there. And, you know, it's in my basement. It's not in my garage. So I don't, when I go to the garage, I only grab the electric one as a result of your podcast. I put the other one away. Oh, wow. Well, thank you I'm for sharing our, that. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I think. Very often we do things because, um, you know, out of habits or out of convenience. And and once we realize that this habit or this thing that is convenient is hurting, uh, this behavior is hurting the, the environment, the planet, we we change it. And so I think the, the goal of this podcast is and the carbon almanac and everything, the work we're doing is not to, you know, to invent a new solution, but is to make people realize that some things that they've been doing or, or thinking of doing are not so good. But the, it's not like finger pointing and, and shaming people, but it's just, you know, helping them realize that, oh, maybe there's an alternative way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the mm. idea of, of habit. Um, there's a book that I, I've read a few times that I love uh, called Many, Many Habits. And um, this person talks about like a micro habit. Um, mm. And so, you know, if you're going to do a push up, do one. Oh. And that's mm. your minimum for the day. Well, by the time you get down to do one, you're of course not going to do just one or put your runners on and go to the end of your driveway or down mm. into your lobby, depending on where you live. And, and by the time you get down there, you're probably going to keep going. But if you don't, you've still satisfied your goal, which was to put your shoes on and go outside. Um, so micro habits and, you know, floss one tooth <laughs> and all you have to do one day is floss one tooth. <laughs> you know? So it's like, what are the, the micro habits that we can start with if, if doing something big is too much? 
um, what are the micro things we can do? And then at least we've accomplished that one thing. And then, and then you build on that, right? Yeah. Is yeah. that, does that sound like that was the book from Stephen Guys? Yeah. I think okay. it was Stephen Guys. I see Guise. it's on audiobook. I'm going to go listen to that. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. And I, I love that book because I've done a number of things that were suggested in that book and it actually works. <laughs> putting your workout clothes on first thing instead of your robe or whatever. And it's like, well, I did all this work to get dressed into my workout clothes. I might as well work out. <laughs> might as well go do it. <laughs> what is it? There's an inertia that shows up. And I think this comes back to that question of decision making. Decision-making is like a moment where you have to choose a path, left or right, up or down. And when you just sort of set yourself so there's already inertia going one direction versus the other, it's more likely that you will move with the, you will go with the inertia that you set in motion. Yeah. So what I can we, it. what decisions can we make for, uh, that are good for the planet? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so many. Yeah, I don't know, even know how. To... I'm, I'm pausing. I'm like, I don't know how to answer that succinctly at all. Well, that could have been a rhetorical question too. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again as together we can change the world.